Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Hello, 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 everybody. This is the first message of 2021. If you're watching this right now or listening to it, Happy New Year to not just you, but to your family as well. 2020 was a crazy, unsuspecting year, and it's probably the first and only year in human, modern human history to where we've had to change up just about everything we do. As much as we love the internet, which is how I'm here with you today, we never thought that our world would truly have to revolve around it. As much as we're connected, we're kind of far apart. But with that being said, when you take a look at the relationship that we have with our Lord, as connected as we are, unlike you and me being far apart, we're never far apart from God. He's right there with us every step of the way, walking us through it. And he's there through it all. He's there through the pain, through the happiness, through the sadness, through the joy, whatever it is that you're going through, understand that Jesus is right there with you. So while I can't physically be there, the Lord can. If you watched last week's lesson, which was our Christmas Day special to wrap up the the end of 2020, we talked about how Jesus is not just the reason for the season of Christmas, but the reason for life itself. This season that we call life that we live in is simply because of who Jesus is to you and to me. Now, if you don't know, I did offer and open the doors of our wonderful church, which is the body of Christ, to each and every one who would love to join in with us. Now, if you accepted the Lord as your Savior, great, welcome to the family. If you haven't yet, I'm praying that something that's said or done within the next so many days or weeks or months in your life would help convince you that Jesus really is the only way to live this life because he said it himself. So let's talk about our lesson for today, which brings in the new year, which is new beginnings. Now, we have a thing as people where we like to do um, New Year's resolutions. Now, me personally, I haven't done them in years because I never kept them. And so many of us really don't. We say we'll do a thing when we get into the new year. But typically by February or March, we usually fall off with all those new things. We may keep one if it really is important to us. But see, as I've learned in my Christian journey, it's that um, when we walk with Jesus, our New Year's resolution or our newness revolution can happen at any given moment or time throughout the course of life. You could 
instantly stop doing something before the new year begins. You could instantly start doing something that's beneficial at the start of the year. Whatever the case is, understand that God is always with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you as he promised. And that he is a continuous, ever-evolving God inside of you. See, while the Lord himself stays the same because he is perfect, we need to change. And because of his ever so wonderfully miraculous changing power, we can keep growing. I wasn't the same I was last week. I wasn't the same I was a few months ago. I wasn't the same I was at the start of this pandemic or last year. I continually become a new creature, a new creation. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, then they are a new creature or new creation or that there is new life. And to behold that the old life or the old creature has passed away. Now, because of who God is to us, we can continuously and it's just so wonderful. I can't really put it in the words, but we are always on this growing, nurturing path, which is sanctification. So to keep the long windedness at bay, <laughs> let's hop into our definitions, then we'll get into the word. Our first definition is prosphatos, which means it's freshly slain or generally new. And the definition for it is it's uh, towards with to kill or to slaughter properly or purposely kill slaughter. It's freshly killed. It's used in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20 describing the new road that Christ has successfully inaugurated by the sacrifice of himself. Our promise from Genesis chapter three was that the Lord would reconcile everything and make the mistake that we made right for you and for me. Glory be to his name. Now, in doing so, our promised king, the promised seed, the promised child, he was sent here to die. It sounds very harsh. And it is. But the beauty of the of the the miraculous cycle of death is that when one thing dies, another thing begins to breathe new life because Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. We now have access to new life. Now, with this new life, we've been afforded several opportunities to do wonderful things in his name because he said greater works will do once we get saved. Now to pick off from that, we'll get into our second definition and hop into the word. Our second definition being enach ahinio, and forgive me if I butchered this. It means to make new or to renew or make new again. And the definition for it means to renew by moving from one stage to a higher, more developed one make qualitatively new. It uh, occurs in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and Colossians 3.10, both times referring to God ever transforming the believer by renewing the new man or anthropos in Christ. So what does that mean for you and for me? Well, brothers and sisters, it means that because we are on a lifelong growing plan, that we are continuously being fed, nurtured, trained, taught, raised up, and brought out of things to go into new things. Because of that, 
that right there, our sanctification process, means that we have an unlimited level cap. Now, because of this unlimited level cap, it means that the sky is literally the limit, as the old gospel song says. There is no there is no mountain too high to climb. There is no issue or situation or dilemma or past or stronghold or demon that you're facing that God can't break you out of. And because of that, let's hop into the word. We start off in Exodus chapter 12, verses 31 through 42. And the Bible says, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptian urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought we will all die. The Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. That night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started for uh, Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. A rabble of non-Israelites went with them, along with the great flocks and herds of livestock. For bread, they baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. First, if you don't know the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, there were 10 major things that happened. The, the 10 plagues, as we know them. First, the Nile River turned to blood. Then frogs were sent. Then the dust itself became flies or gnats. Then actual flies were sent <clears throat> to terrorize the people. The livestock became sick and died off. People were uh, infested with boils that couldn't be cured. Hail, the chunks of ice that fall from the sky, were on fire, setting ablaze and destroying things. Locusts came out to eat all the crops and just mess with people. It became so dark that literally no one could see anything. And to top it all off, the firstborn son of every family out there died now that's a lot it's a heck of a lot but here's the thing about some of those plagues that the lord sent to egypt a few of those egypt's leader ramses at the time had tried to curse israel with some of those things moses was sent with a simple message let my people go 
so that they can worship me. That's all God wanted. He wanted his people to be free so that they could worship him. And Ramses, being hard-headed and hard of heart, as the Bible says, did, did not want to oblige and also decided that, you know what, I'm going to try and turn this on you. But as we've seen in the scriptures and as we know, um, looking now at current times and looking out as God allows certain things to pan out, it's that whatever the enemy tries to use against you, it usually turns on them. The Bible in the book of Proverbs talks about how <clears throat> those people who align themselves with darkness will try to set traps for the innocent and that they will try to convince you to join in with them because it's fun. But see, what actually happens is, is that those traps that they set for someone unsuspecting ends up trapping them instead. The Bible also says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. It says so many things that are a counter argument to what this world tries to convince you is really happening. See, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about it a whole lot throughout the past six going on seven months now in Bible study. It's that this fight is already won. It's fixed because Jesus has won it since before there was a fight to even go to battle for. When the enemy, whose name is Satan, <clears throat> decided that he wanted to start a fight, he had already lost because the creation will never be, crea uh, be better than the creator. It will never be greater than the one who created it. So Satan, being just like you and me, this world, everything else in it was created. And because of that, he has no power that can rival God's. Now, with that being said, when we look at our scripture, the enemy was already beaten. He just hadn't noticed it yet. <clears throat> so when everything had happened and everything was in place, he realized, you know what, I can't win. Please go. Now, an important thing for us, since we're talking about new beginnings, is that when God had finally gotten the children of Israel out of there, it was the last day of that year for their captivity. What does that say for us? Well, I've always noticed that when we get ready to bring in a new year, that there's always something very important that we don't realize because we get too caught up on wanting to party or wanting to to honestly do something that we don't have any business doing in the first place. But what I've come to realize, especially in this last year, is that when a new year gets ready to begin, not only is God delivering you from something, whether you realize it or not, but he's setting the stage for the next part of the chapter in your life. Yes, I know we get caught up on New Year's revolution resolutions, but here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. When we work with God, God works with us. When we cater to God's business, he caters to ours. So by simply obeying the Lord, things start to change and work in your behalf. When the children of Israel were finally ready to be free, and that's the most important part, then God started moving. When you and me are finally ready to be free from whatever it is that we are held in bondage to, then God will start working on your behalf. Brothers and sisters, I've shared with you consistently my own struggles. When I was finally ready to be free from things, 
And trust me, it took a long time. Then God started moving. As my pastor used to say, you have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. You have to get to that point to where whatever it is that you're caught up doing, whatever it is that you keep stumbling over, whatever it is that keeps messing you up, you don't want another single thing to do with it. And then you start looking for a new way to live life. You start looking for a new path or you desire a new beginning. And let me tell you something, this world has no way to offer you that in any way, shape, form or fashion. Instead, they're going to replace the vice. But see, with Jesus, instead of replacing the vice, he's going to remove it and encapsulate the area, just like you solder off a wound. When you have an open wound, does it make more sense to get it taken care of and let it heal? Or does it make sense to put more filth and dirt in it? And let it get worse. Now, I know we don't think about life like that, but when you start to really think about it in a perceptive that God wants you to view it as, it's that when we don't allow him to do it in the way that's best for us, which is his way, which is by adhering to the word, then all we're doing is dumping more dirt into the wound. And unless you want to stay in the same place you've been and not even realize it, which is the worst thing, being delusional to the issue, then, brothers and sisters, I'm begging you to let God take whatever it was that was ailing you in 2020 and live a new life in 2021. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about a new commitment to God. That's not a resolution. That's you taking your relationship with him deeper. That's you saying, Jesus, instead of let's just sit here at this table, I want you to really move into my home. I want to be roommates with you. I don't want you to just visit, but I really want a relationship with you. I want to know more about you. Why do you love me so much this way you do when I haven't done a single thing to deserve it? Why do you want to bless me? When I haven't done a single thing to deserve a blessing, why do you want to be my father, my brother, my mother, my sister, my confidant, my best friend, my strength, my peace, my bread, my water? Why do you want to be my everything? Unless you're hungry like that, then brothers and sisters, please take the word and examine yourself. Psalms 121, the entirety of it, it's only eight verses. The Bible says, I look up to the mountains does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. The first thing I want to point out, family, is verse six and, and seven. It says the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. Well, as the Lord has given it to me, no matter if your enemy decides to attack you during the day or if they try to come by night, they cannot get to you. 
Whoever's in the office that's trying to sabotage your career, your life, they can't get to you. Whoever is at your place of work and wants nothing more but to do harm to you or to drag your name through the dirt with slander or whatever else that they can use to defame you, it's not going to work. Whatever family member has caused you emotional, physical, or whatever kind of turmoil that they've done, understand that one, it can't get to you, and two, it's no longer going to be a thing. Understand that if you have low self-esteem, you're depressed, you're sad, you're anxious, you feel suicidal, you're struggling with something, understand that those things cannot affect you because of who Jesus is. As a person who's been depressed, who's been very anxious, who's been sad, who's been angry, who's been anxious, who's been so many things. Let me tell you from personal experience that unlike the naysayers, I'm not clinging on to a religion because I'm trying to hide from things. No, I'm clinging on to God Almighty, who is a relationship-based God, not a religious statutes God, but a relationship-based God, who wants nothing more than to see you and me, who are his children that are called according to his name, he wants nothing more than just like a good parent to see us happy. And family, you can't be happy with God unless you know who God really is. So if God is going to take all the steps, the priorities, whatever he can and will do to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from being harmed, then understand he's going to do that. You may get a few scratches, a few bruises, a few hurt feelings in life. But let me ask you something. When we talk about harm, you were never in danger when you got a little cut or a little bruise. You were never in danger when your feelings got hurt. But see, when someone's trying to kill you, when someone's trying to destroy you, your dreams, your hopes, your future, your admiration, that's danger. God keeps you from that. But those little things that are bound to happen, the Lord uses those things to help grow you, to help elevate you, to help build you up so that you can trust him in a greater capacity. In the same way that our parents end up becoming some of our closest friends as we get older, it's because we spent time with them. We've understood what they were telling us. And even when we didn't, we could trust their love for us. God loves you more than mama or daddy, best friend, husband, wife, anyone ever could. Because not only did he die for you, but if he had to do it all over again, he would. But thanks be to Jesus, he died once, just one time for everyone. Not just those over there, not just them, not just those people in the back, but for everybody. He died for the entire human race. I know there are some people out there who won't like that, but look, God died for you too. And if he can die for a wretch like me, I'm talking about me, then he can die for everyone else. If I can get saved, then I know God can save somebody. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 14 through 21, the Bible says, this is what the Lord says, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. 
I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Or as the King James Version says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Now, real quick before I explain this, when we talked about Psalms 21, there was something important that the Lord just reminded me of. That psalm is labeled the psalm of ascent or the psalm for the ascending pilgrim to Jerusalem. The Bible says that we are sojourners in this world, that we are pilgrims. We're on a pilgrimage right now. We're passing through to do the work which means that this world is not our home. But because we are passing through, we're looking for a home. Now our home is in Jesus because of what he did for us. So since that, since we're on this sojourn or our journey right now, once we get done doing the work, then we can go home and have our rest. We can have our true peace, our true tranquility. Now in Isaiah, the Lord himself is saying that he's our redeemer. And yeah, he is. He redeemed us because we can't we couldn't do it. Had we been able to save ourselves then Jesus wouldn't have had a need to come down from heaven to die to raise us back up. <clears throat> Not only that, but the Lord is saying how look at your enemy that because he loves you so much, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whoever is trying to come against you, whether it be Sally at the office, Tom down at the grocery store or Satan himself, God is calling them out and he is going to turn whatever they are using against them. Not to mention that he's going to handle them in such a way that they no longer pose a threat because the threat doesn't exist. Brothers and sisters, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were running away. And when they came to the Red Sea, there was an impasse. We don't know what to do. The Moses prayed and the Lord provided him with an answer. He raised his staff and the sea split open. As the sea split and he walked across with all the children of Israel, the seabed was still wide open. But when Pharaoh and his army tried to cross through, the seas came crashing down and utterly destroyed them. And they never saw one another again. When your life problems try to really come after you and God is for you, then as the Bible says, who can be against you? Israel's captors were trying to reacquire them and they were utterly destroyed ground into a nice fine dust underneath the pressures of the sea. When Satan tries to come against you, his imps, his tactics, whatever they are, they are crushed underneath the holy fire of God's admiration for you, my brother and my sister. When whatever it is that you're feeling internally, whether it be strife, anger, anxiety, 
sadness, depression, whatever it is, understand that when you call on that mighty name, Jesus, because there is power in the name of Jesus, then it has to stop. And then the newness that is continually being churned out like good, fine, smooth butter by God's holy, warm embrace. It encapsulates you and it smooths out all the rough places. It brings moisture to the dryness. It brings life to the death. And then whatever it was that was trying to hold on to you so tight just seems to dissipate, break away and utterly ceases to exist. Not to mention the most important thing, and we'll move forward, is that God is telling you to forget everything that has happened. Look, brothers and sisters, I know it's easier said than done. But here's the secret to letting go of the past. Acknowledge it. Understand it happened. Give the pain or whatever residual feelings there are to God and then let it go. It sounds so simple and I promise you it really is. All you have to do is practice, 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 and it gets easier. In the same way you weren't the best at your job when you first got there, but as you kept doing it, you got better. That sport you loved, but you weren't that good at it when you first started. Now you're amazing. When you didn't know much about a subject matter, now you're like the leading expert and people all over are calling for your advice. It's because you put in the time. So put in that time with God and watch your problems get drowned out in the Red Sea. Watch as God says, don't worry about any of those things, because if you thought that was good, watch what I do next in your life. Watch what I do next in this season. Watch what I do next as you continually grow and conquer and live and spread the word. And most importantly, to wrap it up, God is saying that I made you for me. I made you with the explicit purpose of my love, of receiving it, of reciprocating it of spreading it, of all the good works that comes with that. We were made because there was a vacancy in heaven. And instead of just replacing Lucifer with someone else, God said, you know what? Because I'm so full of love, I'm going to make a new thing. And that new thing I make is going to fill this void spot. And when they fill it, I'm going to love them because they have no other desire than to please me, to praise my name and to get other people saved. <laughs> oh, glory be to God. I don't know another way to put it, but we serve because we love and we love because God himself is love. And when you know God, you know what love is. And when you know what love is, you can help another person without wanting something in return. And when you do all of that, that's what makes the world go round. Not money, not power, not drugs, not sex, but God and his infinite love for us, a flawed people who have done nothing but continually hurt ourselves. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. And this is one of those scriptures that's near and dear to my heart because of how Jesus starts off. And it starts with, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, Would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, 
I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. <clears throat> First and foremost, when we talk about newness and our journey that we're on, we have a home to go to, and it's right there in the presence of the Lord. None of us like to talk about death. None of us do. But brothers and sisters, remember that to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. We as believers in Jesus, we don't die we just go home. Now, when we talk about real death, real death is being here and not knowing Jesus. You're just, your body's moving, but it's on autopilot, living to please the evil, nasty desires that reside in it. But when you know Jesus, you're no longer on autopilot. You're actively in control of the cockpit. And because of that, you have decisions to make. Decisions to choose to continue to please God or to just get saved and then look like everybody else. I know the saying, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. But honestly, that's kind of lame. <clears throat> Why would I want to be like everybody else when I can be an individual, when I can be me, when I can be a collective? Now, yeah, as um, I've heard some intellectual people say, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. It's just you're trying to understand it with this instead of with the spirit. You can't understand spiritual things with the natural mind. It just doesn't work. It's like trying to solve a math problem with a history book. Nothing in there is going to teach you how to do a quadratic equation. Same thing. Nothing in this world will teach you how to understand who God is how to please him, how to serve him, how to love him, and how to diligently work for him. No, <clears throat> it's not going to work. But see, when you try things God's way, when you take the math book and you try to learn what's in there, and then you apply it to the problem, and that problem for us is being a sin-sick race of people who were on death row but have now been released, which never happens. We had a life sentence which has been revoked because God is just that good. Now we have an opportunity to truly be something, to be useful, to have purpose. We have a true opportunity 
So God has given us a new beginning. And all he's asking is that you would accept it. It's really just that simple. Romans chapter 6, verses 19 through 23, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. The Bible says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness, living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Let me pause right there real quick. While we were yet still sinners, we were free from the obligation to do the right thing. Now, I don't know about you or me, but when you're obligated to do something, that means it is your duty beyond whatever happens to carry that out. So while we were ignorant, not only weren't we obliged to do the right thing, but here's the kicker. We couldn't do the right thing even if we wanted to. Why, you might ask? Because there was nothing in us to help us do it. Oh, but what about the power of of self? That doesn't exist. Who is me? Who are you? Who are they? No one. We're God help me. We are dirt. We are literally made from the dirt. From the dirt we came and from the dirt we will return. But here's the thing here. As the earthen treasure is told in the Bible, when the inside is replaced and when the treasure chest is opened up, that's what we're looking for. Brothers and sisters, we're going to all go somewhere someday, either back unto the Lord because we've accepted him or down below because we just chose to reject him. But it's ultimately your choice. Do you want to stay obliged to not doing the right thing? Or do you want to do you want something more out of life? Do you really want to live life continuing? And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you choose Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Either way, Christ Christ love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creature. The old life or the old creation or the old creature is gone and a new life has begun. Now, here's the thing about that obligation. In Romans chapter 8, 
around the 12th verse. It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You see how it picks back up. We start off because we're ignorant and we don't know anything, not having an obligation to do what's right. But see, once we're told about Jesus, and here's the thing, here's the, the biggest kicker of this lesson and of your life if you didn't know it. Whatever's going on, God is showing you something. Now, here's the thing that we love to refute. I didn't see it. It doesn't matter. You were shown. Throughout this pandemic, throughout the past years of this uh crazy decade that we went through in the 2010s and now in this crazy one that we're starting off in the 2020s god is showing us something that one we need to repent and turn to him and two that if we already belong to him we need to stop and really cry out to him run back to him if we've somehow gone astray a little bit and we need to abide in his presence we need to live and actively participate in his will. Now, brothers and sisters, let me stress it one more time. God is showing us something. The question is, are you watching? Are you listening? Or are you going to turn a blind eye and have a deaf ear? Are you going to ignore the signs that God is clearly giving with a pandemic that is ever soaring As it looks like it wants to drop off, now we're at an all-time high where New Year's Eve is practically canceled and authorities are urging people and forcing them to a degree to stay home. Are you listening to God or are you turning a blind ear? Are you still allowing whatever temptuous thing in your life to run amok, whether it be sex, drugs, alcohol, people, self, which is a very big one for a lot of people, money, greed, wealth, whatever it is, are you still allowing it to run amok? Or are you going to look at the clear signs that God is giving, saying, put it down, let it go and come to me? You don't want to live in God's permissive will. Yeah, he can make a thing right for you, but that means that you got to deal with whatever it is. Or you could live in God's perfect will, which says, I tried it your way and I dodged all of that. Moving on to John chapter eight, verses 31 through 38. Jesus says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you live in my word, if you actively apply it to your life, if you reject everything else and just listen to what I'm saying, because I am God and I know it all, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone, no one's excluded here, but everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. 
Now, this scripture was brought up last week, I believe. And if not, then the week before last when we talked about I am because he is. Brothers and sisters, and a new year that we're ushering in and a new life that we're continuously trying to build upon and a new mindset and a new heart because we desperately need one. Even those of us who have been saved for a while still need a better heart than the one we had yesterday. It's that if we don't live in God's word, if we don't take this Bible as seriously as it is, because it's not just pages with words printed on them, tied together by the leather or the paper or whatever holding is holding the book together. But these are God's holy and sacred words written down for us to study, to grow. Just like you study a book or a document or something to grow. You can't grow unless you study. You can't grow unless you spend time with God. You can't have the new beginnings and the promises unless you get to the point to where you can obey God's most simplest commandment to love him with all your heart, mind, strength, body, soul, all of you. And to love your neighbor, the next person, like you love yourself. Now, the question is, and I know we don't like to ask those questions that really make us think. But do you love yourself? Do you really love yourself? If you drink and smoke and have sex and dive off and just do any and everything to scratch an itch every single day, then you probably don't love yourself as well as you think you do. Because when I was watching porn eight, nine, ten times a day and doing the thing that goes with that eight, nine, ten times a day, every day for about, say, give or take, I don't know, uh, six to 23. So that's pretty much all my life. I didn't love myself the way I thought I did. Being obsessed with people and being heartbroken when my idolic worship of them shattered because they couldn't meet some need that I had that only God could feel. I didn't love myself the way I thought I did. When I put my standards literally under the floor and expected nothing out of anything, I didn't love myself the way I thought I did. When I'm loved by God and many people who really love and care about me, but thought I was scum, I didn't love myself the way I thought I did. So let me ask you, since we're talking about new beginnings, if you really love yourself, is what you're doing worth it? It's probably not. But because God loves you so much, he's not going to hold it against you. He wants you to give it to him. Put it in his hand so that when he takes it, he can throw it away. And what he's going to give you in return is more of him, more love. If your parents didn't give you enough hugs as a child, then he's here to fulfill that need. If you didn't hear I love you enough, he says it literally from Genesis to Revelation, how much he loves you, because this is a love story from him to us. If you aren't sure of yourself, then he'll let you know that, look, you don't have to be because I'm sure of you because I made you. And since you're mine, let me let me let me tell you something. Brothers and sisters. Glory be to God. I'm here today 
because one fateful day the Lord allowed me to look into the mirror and see that my life was in shambles because of my own doing. There was so much wrong and I never thought there was a way out. But when I tried Jesus, my new beginning started that fateful day back. My freshman year of college. Yeah, I I grew up in the church, but that's when I really started taking things that seriously for me. So your new beginning can happen whenever, wherever. Mine happened in like the middle of the year. And my new beginnings keep happening whenever and wherever. I had one today where God had finally, not even God finally, when I finally allowed God to give me the strength I needed in a particular area to understand my own self-value. So let me encourage you today as we wrap it up in Revelation that God not only loves you, but he loves you so much. It doesn't even make sense to us, humanly speaking. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur or the lake of fire and brimstone, as the King James says. This is the second death. Brothers and sisters, as we wrap up our, <laughs> our wonderful new lessons for this new year that God is going to bless us in, I want to say two things before we pray out. First and foremost, when you are faced with an issue in this life, you have two options to run from it by doing something in this world, which is a familiar thing, which will make you feel comfortable because you've been there, done that, which is not the option because the spirit of familiarity is very dangerous and it will get you in more trouble than it will do in actually making you feel better. The second option is to run into it head first and take it on. And the secret to that is by just following God, because you don't fight your battles. He fights your battles. Now, yeah, from the two options I just gave you, like, well, it both sounds like I'm running away. No one is running away because you chose the world. The other is running to because you chose God. As we talked about, and I am because he is, God doesn't weave from a situation. God goes straight through. 
a situation. He may not always remove the mountain, but he may give you the strength to climb the mountain. He may give you the endurance to stand in that storm like the storm watchers and it just ride it out. He may give you the wisdom to outthink the adversary that's right there with you. He may give you whatever it is, but whatever God blesses you to weather your storm with, I guarantee you it's not dodging the problem, but instead it's going straight to the heart of the problem, which in most cases is us. I dealt with porn and other things like that for years because of the pain that I had been feeling. And when I finally got that pain resolved, a lot of those issues was like, well, great. I have nothing to latch on to anymore. The second thing that I want to say is that honestly and truthfully, if you don't know Jesus, take the time out right now as you're listening to get to know him. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I acknowledge that Jesus, your son, came down in a body just like mine to die for my sins. And he did it because I messed up and I need help and I want your help. So, God, please forgive me and save me. And if you pray a simple prayer just like that, then welcome to the family. (laughs) Give yourself a hug for me to you because I love you and billions more of us in that uncountable number with the Lord already loves you very dearly. And above all else, God loves you more than we ever could because he is love. Lastly, people, please listen. And please think, think about what's happening in this life. Think about how not only it affects the world, but how it affects you. And think most importantly, how you can serve God in a greater capacity, whether it's just spending more time in the word, praying a little bit more, or just doing something different that you know he would love. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer saying thank you. God, we thank you so much for bringing us through such a crazy, tumultuous and turbulent year. God, we couldn't have made it out of it without you, Lord. But because you were there every step of the way, because just as your word says, you will never leave us nor forsake us. We were able to make it out. And not only did we make it out, but we made it out unscathed, Lord. For the people who never got the the COVID-19 virus, God, you kept them. For the people who did and survived it, you kept them, Lord. For the people who got it and maybe went home to you, Lord, you still kept them because they're with you right now in your presence. Father God, no matter what happens, you are keeping us because you are a keeping God. So, Lord, all of us who are called according to your name and according to the purpose of your goodwill, Lord, please watch over us extra specially because, Father, as you taught us to to pray for, there's much work to do in the kingdom, but there aren't that many workers. And you told us to pray for more workers. So, God, my prayer for the year 2021 is that this family would grow more and more and more, that we would have more like-minded, Christ-like individuals who don't think about self, but who think about you in the big picture. And the big picture is, is that there are too many dying people in this world, too many hurt people, too many sick, too many captives, too many slaves to the wrong thing that need freeing, that need healing, that need love, that need saving, that need salvation. And God, we can help them in every way I just mentioned and more because of your life that was given for us so that we might actually live. Heavenly Father, I plead your blood over us the blood that was shed 
on Calvary in that courtyard when you were beaten with the cat of nine tails as it streamed down your head from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Father, when they when they pressed that thorny crown down on your face. Oh, God, it was all done for us, for us now, for us then, for us who are coming soon, Lord. Heavenly Father, just have your way. And for all those who don't know you the way that we know you, God, let them know. Cause something to happen in their lives to where you're their only out. Because unless that happens in most cases, because we're all stubborn, we'll never get to know you. But because you love us so much, the things you allow to happen are never unto death, but they are unto growth. God, help us see the growth. Help us see you in a greater capacity. And if there's anything inside of us that's displeasing to you, then help us see it so that we can bring it to you and deal with it. Lord, have your way in this year and the years to come and for the rest of eternity, because you are the only true, wise, sovereign God. Be with us always is my prayer. And it's these things I thank you for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Guys, I love you. It's a new year, a new day. Live your life to the fullest in Jesus because living your best life the world's way ain't it. I promise you getting drunk on the weekends ain't it. Smoking every day ain't it. Having sex every day ain't it. Playing video games way too long. I'm talking about me. Ain't it. It's all about Jesus. So I love you. I want you to be blessed. And I want you to have a very merry new year. I love you all. See you next Friday. We will be back in Zoom meetings next Friday. Till then, be blessed in Jesus' name. Hey family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors, and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.